jokes about rabbis. I have a fair collection too. I suspect you probably do as well. I'm going to share with you one of my favorites. Long, I learned it a long time ago. Story about of a young boy uh, who tells his rabbi that he himself is thinking of becoming a rabbi. The rabbi says, why don't you come to shul on Shabbat morning and uh, we'll talk afterwards. Service ends, the rabbi is standing outside the sanctuary. The young boy comes by, the rabbi shakes his hand, which is him uh, Shabbat Shalom, a good Shabbos. And the young boy looks at the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I just wanted to know, what do you do the rest of the week other than Shabbat morning? And the rabbi turns to the young boy and he looks down at him with tender eyes and says, my son, you don't want to be a rabbi. You want to be a shul president. Stanley's laughing. <laughs> this joke highlights something that I learned early on. I've been a rabbi for 30 years. And one of the things I learned early on is how different the actuality, the reality of being a rabbi was from the studies of being a rabbi, which I suspect is no different if you're studying law or some other thing. The actual practicality of the realities of what takes place in your life in a week-in and week-out basis is very different from the kind of theoretical realities that you have to master when you're in school. And so early on I realized that much of what I ended up learning to become a rabbi had nothing to do with actually being a rabbi. So my days back then and still today are punctuated by great moments of life cycle events, studying, teaching, but more often than not, there are phone calls and there are emails. There are emergency meetings, there are planning meetings, there are fundraising meetings, there are organizing meetings, there are scheduling meetings to schedule things, which all actually ends up with the same kind of question that diffuses into what I wanted to ask you. How was your week? How often do you push yourself away from your desk, be it in your actual office or maybe your home office, and you actually ask yourself, what did I do today? Now, I know that I was busy. I know that from the moment I woke up and I looked at my iPhone and I saw the string of emails and texts that flooded into my inbox, to the phone messages that I returned, to all the other things, the Zoom meetings, all the other things that filled mine in your day, at the end of it all, eight, 10, 12 hours later, do you ever ask yourself, what did I actually do? And this question, I want you to know you're not alone in it. It was anticipated by one of the most important philosophers of the 20th century. You could actually say that she was prophetic or prescient for the 21st century. She was a German Jewish woman by the name of Hannah Arendt. Arendt says that in life there are three kinds of activities that humans deal with. I'm going to list them off for you. Work, excuse me, labor, work, and action. Labor, work, and action. I'm going to get to labor in a moment, but let's talk about work and action. What's work? Work is like being a craftsman. Think about Chagall. Think about the people who made these remarkable stained glass windows here in the sanctuary. This is craftsmanship, the likes of which, that at the end of the day, 
when you left your workshop and you looked at this, what would you say to yourself? I did something today. I did something. And then, years later, because the person who made these stained glass windows, his daughter came to the sanctuary years later, and she was brought to tears. Action, so that's work. Work is craftsmanship. Unique, unique craft, artistic stuff. What's action? Action is like imagining your life and trying to make the kinds of deep changes that affect profound, profound improvement in the human condition. Think about people who go into politics, people who create social movements, people who begin fundraising activities, and they know that there is a long road ahead of themselves. They may not even see the end of it in their lifetime, but they begin it nonetheless. The work of that, the action thinking of it, imagining that they could create a world that is something better than what it is now. So that's work and action. But let's talk about labor. What is labor like? Hannah Arendt says labor is like a squirrel looking for nuts. They just run around looking for nuts all the time. In modern language, what would that be like? On one hand, you could say it's like a dishwasher. Someone who sits there all day washing dishes. They clean one set of dishes, and then what happens? The next dishes come right after. A janitor who cleans the floor, at the end of the day, they go and they clean the floors in the office building, and what happens the next day? This is not hard to imagine, because anybody who has children, or had children, and did laundry, you know the feeling you have when you get all the laundry and you fold it, and then you look at your children and yourself and realize you're making more laundry. But white-collar workers have the same problem. And that is, emails come in, emails go out. You write code, you have to make new code. You close one file, another file opens. It doesn't actually end. And that's why, be you a janitor or a dishwasher or a senior executive, partner in a law firm, it doesn't actually make a difference. On some level, we are all stuck in the labor of the world. You never get ahead. And that's the desperation of it. That's why when you push yourself away from your desk, be it at home or be it in the office, you feel exhausted and not energized at having done something great over the course of a day. So what's the solution to it? In this morning's Torah portion, there is a short verse that made me think of all this. Moses, as you know, was sent by God to Pharaoh. And Moses is charged by God to tell Pharaoh to send the people out to let my people go. And so what does Moses then do? God tells Moses to go speak to the people. So Moses goes with Aaron and tells the Israelites, it's time for them to go. And what is the answer of the Israelites? Moses reports back, by the way. He tells them. Lo shav'uli. They didn't listen to me. 
And not only did the Israelites not listen to Moses, but then the Torah goes on to tell us why the Israelites didn't listen. It was because of Kotzeruach. Now, if you look at the translations, there's all different translations for this. Some of them say Kotzeruach was that they were out of energy, that they were tired, that they had a broken spirit, that the generations, the centuries of slavery had sapped their will and strength. But I think that there's something else. Because the word kotzer comes from the Hebrew word katsar, which means short. The years of all that labor, of all that slavery, of building one brick and then another brick and then another brick to the point where none of it made any sense because it was always one thing after another after another. That there was never any end to what they were doing. That it made their world so small that their life felt as if it had no purpose and they couldn't believe. They couldn't believe that there might be something better. People wonder why buildings like this are important. People wonder why religion should have meaning in people's lives. And the fact of the matter is, religion is the only thing that exists in human life that reminds you day in and day out that there is something larger than what's in, at your desk, in front of your computer, or the emails that are pouring into your inbox. It says in the book of Psalms, Mima'akim kiraticha Adonai, from the depths, I called out to God, and anani b'mirchavya, but God answered me in the wide spaces. This Torah portion for this morning, and indeed, every day of our lives, we are reminded that there is more, and we are expected to reach for more, that better is close if you can open your eyes and see it. Shabbat Shalom.